Welcome to the Financial Purpose Podcast. All opinions expressed by me or guests of the podcast are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Life Moves Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any financial or investment decisions. Clients of Life Moves Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Hello, I'm your host, Dale Schaefer, and here's another great episode starting now. Let's go. And welcome to the Financial Purpose Podcast. Uh, today on the show, I am joined by a special guest. I have Sarah Van Hoos, and uh, Sarah is the owner of Journey to Influence. And Sarah, I've got a little bit of an introduction for you, but before I get into that, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being on today. I'm happy to be here, Dale. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, so for those listening, Sarah, uh, with Journey to Influence, is a small business and finance coach, and uh, she has a really cool mission. It's helping entrepreneurs with uh, getting more intentional with their time and their talents and their money, which are three hard things to argue with. And uh, Sarah is a Ramsey preferred coach, uh, so she's in the Ramsey Network, and uh, most importantly, probably, Sarah is married with two daughters, and uh, they are, if I remember correctly, ages 11 and 9? 10 and 13. 10 and 13. So they age since the last time we talked. They grow fast. They really do. (laughs) No, we talked like what, like last week? So apparently everybody (laughs) had a birthday and off we go. Um, So anyway, that's, uh, that's what I have. Sarah, did I leave anything important out? Is there anything that you would add to your introduction? You know, those are probably the most important things. We hail from the Pacific Northwest. So I'm out in Portland, Oregon, enjoying all four beautiful seasons uh, over here. There you go. So we we have two seasons here in Arizona, hot and not hot. So that's about <laughs> it. Uh, so great. Well, Sarah, the reason that um, I thought this would be a fun podcast episode is we were connected uh, through networking. And the more that you and I talk, Um, The first thing is that you have an incredible money story that I thought would be really compelling to share. And then the second thing, um, there's some stigma between the financial community, between the people who are on the Ramsey side and people who are not on the Ramsey side. And uh, I think it's perfectly acceptable to go down the middle, especially as an advisor. So I think we could get into more of that later, but um, let's start just with teeing up your your money story, kind of how you went from where you started on your journey uh, to here. Yeah, it's such a it's such a good story. I didn't feel like it was a good story in the middle of it, but you know, looking back, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty. It is a it's a great story. Um, it was uh, twenty seventeen. I want to say it's twenty seventeen. Um, I, I should get my years right, but it was a while ago, right? It's been a number of years ago. Uh, now, my husband and I. No, it was twenty thirteen. Uh, right. Ages of my daughters. I'm, I'm remembering now by 13, my husband and I had moved into the house that we live in. Now I had taken a week off of work. We're unpacking, unpacking boxes. And I'm listening to Dave Ramsey's financial peace university on CD. That's how long ago this was. It was on CD. Uh, and, uh, understanding a little bit more about this money management philosophy that, that sounded really new to me, uh, you know, living on less than you make, um, you know, reducing your debt obligation, um, you know, getting, getting, um, intense, right. Gazelle intense, right. With some of your finances. And it, that was the first time that, um, I had ever added up how much total debt we had. So 
um, between the two of us, um, we had a total of $700,000 in debt. Um, so that was a couple of mortgages, a couple of car loans, a couple of student loans, a couple of credit cards, you know, we had a, just a pair of everything. Yeah. And uh, that was the point that I actually felt, I felt the weight of that, like I felt the heaviness of that um, amount of obligation. Um, at the time, um, my daughters were uh, almost, my oldest was almost three, and uh, my youngest was still crawling. And I didn't have, um, I didn't have that overwhelming mom uh, desire to stay home with them um, during those little tiny years. Um, but I also knew that I didn't have the option, even if I wanted to, like my salary, uh, both of our salaries were required to meet the minimums, like to pay all of our bills, we both had to be working. Uh, so I felt I felt really um, pushed in this corner of having no options. And I don't know about you, but like, I, I want to have options. Like I want to, I want to choose what I want to do because that's what I wanted to do. Not because I had to do it. Um, so it was at that point that I'm like, okay, like let's clean up our debt situation and see what other options become available to us. So it was at that point that we um, got serious about not wanting to be in as much debt and, um, and started to um, get ourselves out of that. So got on a budget, um, started uh, living on less than we made, um, went through the process of eliminating um, all of our consumer debt. And today, like we are left with just one, one mortgage and, you know, about $200,000 left on that mortgage. So we paid off $500,000, right. In total debt, about 70,000 of that was uh, like traditional consumer debt. So $500,000 doing the math, your journey started in 2013. So when, when did you reach that $500,000 of payoff? Like when, when was that? Finished? Yeah, relatively quickly, like in the grand scheme of things. Um, so 17, um, I want to say that we, so we unloaded um, two mortgages, right? We had, we had two rental properties that we weren't making any money on and just got out of, um, then, um, car loan, right. Two car loans that we paid off, right. Credit cards that we paid off student loans that we paid off. Um, my husband's student loan was the last thing that went. Um, so it was about, it was about four years that it took to, to unpack those. That is an impressive, impressive number and impressive progress. So, so walk me through, you know, you're listening to financial peace, you added up the debt. I, I can imagine it seemed overwhelming. Totally. Yeah. So what gave you the kind of the, not only the motivation, but really the, the, I don't know if confidence is the right word, but even just like the, the guts to go after it. Right. So what, what made you and, and your husband decide, okay, this is what we're going to do. Tell me kind of how that went. Tell me about the sacrifices you had to make, because that's the part that nobody wants to do. Yeah. Process, right. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, um, we're doing it right. And that's not really the first time that I was kind of cued into other people were getting out of debt intentionally, right. Versus just happenstantially, you know, like once you paid something off. Um, so it was kind of, it was new information for me and, and hearing that other people were doing this through financial peace university as I got um, introduced to, you know, more people than I, I found more people, right. That were doing something similar. So that was, um, that was encouraging. And I mean, I knew enough about myself or I knew enough about my husband that once we sort of set our minds to something, like we're going to figure it out, like one way or another, we're going to figure out how to make it happen. Again, like this idea of options, 
um, like, I just, I don't like, I don't like to not have options. So how can I make something more available so that I can make more intentional choices? Um, and we did make sacrifices, sure, um, during that time period. Um, probably the most extreme, extreme and the one that my husband does not want to talk about um, is um, we DIY'd a lot of things, like a lot of things. Um, everything, you know, from car washes and I stopped dyeing my hair for women like ladies uh, I stopped dyeing my hair for a couple of years um, I found out what my natural hair color was like I haven't seen it in a really long time um, I I made my own laundry detergent it's like laundry detergent like I made like five gallon buckets worth of laundry detergent you know for like 12 bucks or something that lasted like six months or something crazy um yeah so that was he and he hated the laundry detergent but yeah there's a lot of like creative small things that we did um we did not on our favorite things and I think that this is an important message as well like the things that we truly valued um when it comes to how we spend our money um my husband and I really enjoy taking vacation and um spending that time together alone um without our children and that was an important thing that we retained. It didn't, it didn't look as um, elaborate perhaps as, as a credit card vacation had, um, but it was still intentional kind of time away that we weren't willing to not do right for a period of time. Uh, we didn't stop contributing to our retirement accounts uh, during that time. Um, again, that's a, that was a choice that we made. Uh, we knew that our journey wasn't going to be 10 or 15 years long, we knew that we were going to be able to keep it short and tight in terms of what that timeline looked like. So we were willing to let our debt um, timeline be a little bit lengthier and retain, keep doing our retirement contribution. So it, it looked, it looked different. You know, we were creative with, um, I'm trying to think now, like it's been a little while, right? How we did groceries, like how we how we did shopping, you know, in general consignment stores, right. Are still some of my best friends, right. For, uh, for my kids and my, even my own clothes. So there's some habits we picked up that I was like, Oh yeah, this is definitely the way to do it. I want to spend money on the things that are really important to me. I don't want to spend things, spend money on the things that are not as important to me. So just like making those um, choices. So some things that have certainly carried through, um, on the other side of being debt-free as well. Yeah. I, I really, I really like the approach of, of aligning that to your values. Uh, you know, I, I talk a lot about, and even the name of this podcast, having a financial purpose and that financial purpose is always tied to what's most important to you about how you use your money. Um, because it gives you congruity in your choices, right? So if your choices are aligned with what you value, it's going to be easier to make those choices. If there's misalignment, then you're going to fight yourself financially. And so, for you to be able to say, okay, we're going to tackle this, but we're not going to sacrifice what we value. We're going to sacrifice the things we don't value. So did you, did you sit down through this process and, and go, okay, what's most important? What do we want to make sure we keep? What can we get rid of? I mean, is that part of the process that you did? Yeah, it was in that kind of like learning to budget um, process as we were trying to put everything kind of together, probably we had, we made plans for our money before, but it was really, uh, it was not thinking, right? It was like retrospectively, oh shoot, we spent more than we thought we should. We better take some money from savings to cover, right? What that looked like. Right. Um, so instead we started to be super intentional with what we were going to be spending on and sticking to that plan. And, and through that process, we realized, you know, there are things that we left out that we needed to add back in. 
or there were things that we had over-exaggerated that we didn't really miss as much, right? And could it could modify at that point. So I think it was a continued conversation. It still is a continued conversation, right? About what makes it into our plan and how um, how the ebbs and flows of life, right? Need to be evident in our plans as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so through that process, um, four years out of debt, you were working. Mm-hmm. And you needed both of your salaries. So from the time that the, so the last thing was your husband's student loan. And so that was 2017, 2018, somewhere in that time frame. Yeah. And so from, I know from our prior conversations, there was a decision or a tipping point for you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yes. There was a tipping point for me. So yeah, 2017, I need to put this like sticky note on my computer. So I remember my own timeline, All right? Yeah. 2017. Uh, we got to the point where we had a healthy amount of money in savings, right? Fully funded emergency fund and savings. That feeling of having our debt paid off, having a nice little pile of money in the bank, contributing to a retirement, like all of these like adulting things, right? That were like crossing off the list all felt yep. so good to do. Um, I, I wanted that for everybody. So certainly started telling all my friends and family, right? There's a different way, right? To do, to deal with your money, right? Helping, helping fo- folks, you know, friends and family, um, got to this tipping point in 2019, um, where my husband and I are on vacation. We are spending more money on vacation now, uh, because we can, we've got options. Um, we are vacationing, um, on this little Island, um, off of, uh, Cancun, Mexico called, called Isla Mujeres, small little Island, beautiful white sandy beaches, clear water. And we're talking about retiring there. Like we're going to buy our little retirement home down there and spend part of our year down there. We get back. Um, we get ready um, to go home back to PDX uh, from Cancun. And I was like, wait a minute. Why do we have to wait to do the things that we really want to do until we're old? Like what, who decided this, right? That once you're old and retired, you can do X, Y, Z. It's like, why do we have to do that later? Like, why can't we do that now? Uh, my husband kind of looked at me and um, asked me how many drinks I had had. <laughs> and then like, uh, like uh, so... I was like, why don't we just do this now? You know, like, why don't we take our girls? We'll come down. We'll spend a year or two, you know, in Mexico. We'll have a sabbatical, a hiatus from regular life. We'll do life differently. And uh, he's like, will you make a plan for that? And we will talk about that a little bit more. So uh, I, you know, I was like, all right, I will make a plan for that. So I take out my little airplane napkin, you know, the little small cocktail napkin that you get on there <clears throat> with your snacks. And yeah. I make a plan. I, you know, grabbed my, my pen and I was like, I knew our finances well enough to be like, okay, this is what we would do like back home. This is what we could eliminate. This is how much I think we need, you know, moving to Mexico. Here's the math. How, here you go. Like, how's it, how's it look to you? And he's like, wait a minute, I'm going to need some more information. So, um, I get home regular life, you know, ensues. We've got, we still have two little girls, right. Running around, we've got daycare expenses, all the things. And, um, I still cannot like scratch this um, itch that like doing life differently, like is an option for us. So I bust out the Excel spreadsheet. I I give him a detailed financial plan around how we can make this move work um, on a temporary basis, you know, for a couple of years. And he's like, well, like, what about logistics? You know, like, what are we going to do for transportation? And how are we, what are the girls going to do for school? And like, I'm going to need some more information. He's a detailed kind of guy. So I was like, Um, if you want this kind of information, I, other people are going to want this kind of information. I'm just going to document it in a blog. Uh, so I started blogging about this 
crazy idea that I had to move my family to Mexico for a couple of years and how we were going to do it. So as I researched, I shared the research. I talked about transportation. I talked about our finances. And uh, what I found through that is that people were very intrigued around the financial side of this, that we had the option to do this. Uh, And what I knew is that option to do this. Like we had just kind of, we cracked the code of making sure that our finances were stable, our debt was paid off. So we could have more flexibility in the way that we did life right differently that way. So it was at that point, uh, that, um, my husband had thought, I think that he thought he'd be able to shake me off, you know, through this period of time, like, you're not really serious. Like this is going to fizzle out. Right. Um, and at one point he's like, I really don't, don't want to move you know he's like my business is here like we can vacation more if you want to but I don't really want to move and I was crushed I was like oh my gosh how how can I do this different life right this intentional living that I want to do differently uh here you know I was burnout right from my um, my busy healthcare leadership job I wanted to do something different and I was like I I need to do something um different so at that point um it was again my husband comes to the rescue and he's like you love this personal finance stuff you love leadership why don't you blend these things together and um and start coaching so it was at that point that i connected back with ramsey and i uh, got certified as a ramsey preferred coach um and did their master training and then opened my coaching business in january of 2020 okay so january of 2020 great time to start in <laughs> Right. And so you start coaching and who, who are you, who are you working with? Who do you want to work with through that process? Tell me a little bit about how, how you got started with that. What was your approach and kind of how you grew the the business through the pandemic and then to where you are today? Yeah. So my, uh, I grew my business in the wee hours of the morning and on the weekends, right? I was still working full time and, um, you know, doing the, the smart, wise thing by letting my business have a runway uh, before quitting my full time uh, role. Um, so it was, I mean, there were some long hours, right, in kind of building the business and, and building that runway for the first, um, first year and a half. So 18 months, um, I, I did double duty. Uh, both with coaching and then with my full-time uh, role and then um, transitioned and retired from that role in July of 2021. Uh, during that time, um, I was primarily focused on personal finance. So helping people do what I did and uh, figure out how to make a plan for their money and how to um, you know, pay off debt primarily, right? Was what their focus was. Um, yeah. Some people, they, some people understand, everybody understands the concept, like they get it. Like I know that I need to stop adding to my debt and start decreasing, right? What my debt load looks like, but actually implementing that and uh, figuring out the strategies and approach that is right for them as individuals is where I came in to help support that and be that kind of encouraging accountability partner, right? To help walk them through that. So started talking to everybody about personal finances. That was the original focus. I found more entrepreneurs coming to me, trying to unravel their personal versus their business finances. Um, and, and then also make, make plans to increase their income. Right. So we're talking about finances, right? There's kind of two ways to tackle this beast, increasing your income or decreasing your expenses or, um, a mixture of both, right. In order to get you some more margin, uh, to put towards your goals. So started working with more and more entrepreneurs when it came to, um, again, unraveling their finances and then looking at increasing their income. Uh, my background is in process improvement um, and strategy and efficiencies. And so 
I just applied that for them. Like, okay, let's make this more efficient. Let's figure out how to change your offers. Um, so I found more and more entrepreneurs that were attracted to working with me. And, and I, I love the level of um, motivation and grit, right. That entrepreneurs have. So I'm equally as attracted to them. So uh, now I work um, almost exclusively with entrepreneurs that are working to increase their intentionality with all the things. So we work on both the finance side and also the business side. One of the things that, that I mentioned at the start of the conversation, and I know you and I talked about, is that the the love-hate relationship that uh, mostly advisors and a lot of advisors that I know have had in the past with anything that sounds like Ramsey or even uh, there's now uh, another um, some somebody who's written a lot about the topics that kind of crosses into uh, that that seems to be taking fire. So so talk about why it is that the advisor community because I know you've experienced this as well from our conversations. Why why is there such resistance to that level of personal finance? Mm, um, to the Ramsey level of finance or. Yeah. Any, any kind of, uh, to me, it's, it's, um, it's, there's something about the, the level of personal finance where you have to, because some people who, who are attracted to uh, financial peace university and go through that have to strip down a lot of their, their life and kind of reinvent and, and change a lot of things so that they can get out of the hole or get unstuck. Um, and I, I listened to the Ramsey show enough you know, back in the day to know some of the, some of the situations that people are calling in with, and you're just like, oh my gosh, that is impossible. So, mm-hmm. but there, there's an element of, of where uh, maybe it's because of the blanket advice um, that is given on the radio show, or because it just seems too simple, but there, there's some resistance to, and maybe it's just either you get it or you don't get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what's yeah. your experience been with, with people who are willing to take on that kind of let's just do real personal finance, mm-hmm. good financial literacy versus people who are like, uh, that's not for me. Yeah. I I think that personal finance is personal. It's it's just so individualist. There's there are no two situations, right? Which makes my job always like so unique. There's there's no day is the same, right? Everybody is um so unique. And I think uh at the core, we all want to be treated as individuals. We don't want to be lumped into this group of like do X, Y, and Z, it works for everybody. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't always work for everybody. And, um, and we don't, nobody wants to be treated like cattle, right? It's like everybody is going in this direction. Um, so at the core, we need to be heard. Uh, we need to be understood. Uh, we, we need somebody to, to acknowledge, uh, the situation, you know, like, so you have, um, $25,000 in credit card debt. Okay. All right. So that happened. Like, what is it? Like, let's talk about it. Like, uh, we really need to get behind. It's more than the debt, right? It's more than your, that initial story. Like there's something deeper, right. In terms of behavior and uh, some of our triggers when it comes to all of this money management and you don't tackle those things on a three minute radio blip. Those right. the, the deeper level conversations are not happening and they're being missed. So if people are just listening to a radio show or just getting these like little snippets of advice, it is so surface level and it does not get to the core of what's happening in people's real life. So when we talk about sustainable change, yes, you could eat rice and beans for a period of time, but you're not going to eat rice and beans for the next six years if you've got $150,000 in credit card debt. So um, making sure that you find somebody that you can talk to 
right? To actually hear your story and help you make a plan that is individualized and um, sustainable. Super important to me. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. So in the in the realm of, you know, what you do when you're working with entrepreneurs, um, talk to me a little bit about what that looks like. What what kind of problems are are you being presented with? What are what are you putting together for them? What are you working on? You know, what's the term of engagement? Kind of walk me through your process there. Yeah. Um, with entrepreneurs, again, like everybody's got a unique story and unique situations that they're trying to solve. Um uh, folks that I work with are solopreneurs. Um, so they have started this business, right? They're really great at their craft and, and then they launched a business, right? They're gritty. They're hardworking. I love them. Um, and they are not necessarily like business experts. They didn't go to business school, right? They didn't, um, they don't have, um, a great, uh, or deep background in some of this other kind of, um, kind of basic business operations. And so, I get invited into their conversation and into their business um, as finally somebody they can talk to about all the things, right? We can talk about your hiring. We can talk about your firing. We can talk about your budget. We can talk about process improvements and what are you doing for offers next? What do you really want to be doing? What tasks are you doing that you probably need to be delegating out? So um, it's really finally having somebody that they can um, unload to, right? And then we get it all out and then we put it all back together. We decide what needs to be left on the table, what needs to be prioritized, what are the goals for the coming year? Um, and then I walk beside them, right? As we begin to implement those things um, together. So there's some consultation, um, some consulting level, right? Some coaching level, some strategy and implementation that goes that goes beside that for this eclectic group of uh, business owners that I work with. Yeah. And being uh, solopreneurs, which I work with a few of them as well in uh, in the work that I do, they they are people who, um, from an income and a tax perspective, it all kind of is spaghetti between yes. the business and the personal, right? So I imagine that you're, you're touching a lot of the personal finance through the business finance because it kind of all ends out roughly into the same pie, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That is one of the benefits is that we, we, we don't always start with business and end with personal. Sometimes we start with personal and we end with business, but they all get um, talked about, like you said, because they are um, mixed up in together. And we need to figure out well, how much does the business need to make, right? In order for you to keep XYZ lifestyle or for us to make sure that we're making progress on these personal goals that have nothing to do with your business. Yeah, okay. And through through the personal finance and and definitely with the consulting work that you're doing, what is the, what's the kind of the, the difference, I guess, between what you do in your role and, and what a financial advisor does? How, how, how is that work different? Yeah, I, um, I consider myself a preliminary uh, to working with an advisor. So I'm helping to get organized uh, with your finances. We're, we're starting to talk about some bigger level goals, but first we just have to walk through the daily uh, really when it, when it comes down to what I'm doing, we're talking about what's happening with your finances on a monthly basis. Sometimes we're touching base, right, around what's some of your behaviors, right, that are impacting your finances on a daily, weekly, monthly basis um, so that you can get yourself organized and prepared to have bigger conversations with an advisor. So we're working through all that. Um, I wouldn't even call it basics, right? There's some level of financial literacy that happens. Um, meeting people where they're at. Um, it's really important to me that there's no shame in your money game. However, however you came, however, you, whatever you learned, whatever you didn't learn, like 
yeah, yes, yes. Like, let's start there. Um, this is not taught in schools. It's not taught at home. Uh, what you do pick up at home is prob- probably not the best thing that you want to keep moving with, right? So um, there's just, we just have to start somewhere. I don't care if you're 27 or 35 or 52, right? We just have to start somewhere. So dropping any shame and then really moving forward. So really helping people manage their money well um, and manage their budget well um, so that they can move forward and have bigger and better goals, right? Start investing right at a higher percentage, get caught up, right? If that's something they need to get caught up with and diversify, right? Their investments and their, and their portfolio. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I love that. Uh, no shame in your money game. That might be the title of this episode. I'm mm-hmm. going to think about that, but I like that. So, and on, on that note, I, I know Sarah, I found um, in, in my time as an advisor, I found a couple of people who we've looked at their situation and, and there are some people where there's just, there are things that need to be cleaned up, taken care of be, before I can really help them. Because as you said, the word that you've used a few times and the word that I like is options, right? Mm-hmm. I call it the and. Uh, so mm-hmm. financial planning has to be an and proposition uh, and, and options is definitely part of that. Um, there are times where as an advisor, the things that I'm advising them to do, they don't have the option to do because there there's other things. And so there, there tends to be some shame built into that because there's a lot of, in the financial community, there is um, some judgment that happens for prior decisions or prior mm-hmm. financial decisions. And sometimes it's incidental and it's little things like, oh, why did you invest that way? Or, you know, like, why did you buy that in your portfolio or whatever? Um, and sometimes it's, you know, why did you, you know, why why did you file your taxes this way or, or whatever it is? And so sometimes the, sh- the money shame is because we don't have the tools. We're not taught the tools. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, myself included, aren't raised around money. And so we have to yeah. learn these things, which means we probably are going to make mistakes along the way. So the, that whole element of of getting away from money shame, I, I want to just touch on that a bit because that can be one of the biggest stumbling blocks for people to be able to move forward, I think. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And, and the older that you get, the harder that it is. Yeah. And so is there, is there a point where, where somebody is, their situation's just too far over the edge where it can't be pulled back? Or is that just really a bad assumption? And there's hope for everybody at some way, some level. I think that there's hope for everybody. I I think there's always uh, an opportunity for us to, to get better, to do better, to learn more. Um, You just have to get started. I mean, you just have to have um, enough, um, um, gumption, um, to ask the question, like, can I be helped? Like, I don't know, like you, cause your situation, almost everybody feels, it feels hopeless, right? If you can't do it yourself, you keep trying to DIY, 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 and you're like, I am not making any progress. Um, so inviting somebody into the conversation feels like a lot, like it, it takes a lot, right. For somebody to click the button, right. Or pick up the phone or do the next thing. Be like, uh, I, I can't do it on my own. I don't know what it needs to do next. Mm-hmm. Um, so honoring that I think is really important and just, and, and making space for that. Like, okay, like this, how'd you get here? What, what makes this the right time to have this conversation? And, um, again, like make it, it's important to me just to make it easy. Like it, um, 
finances, I think, um, especially, uh, you know, they, it, it's usually white men, right? Talking about finances, right? We're wearing a tie. I'm glad you're not wearing a tie today, Dale. You know, so like, we need to make it more casual. We need to make finances more accessible. Uh, just some people talking about money. Like it, we, it just doesn't have to be so stiff. So let's make it, we just need to make it more accessible, more casual, more comfortable. Yeah, I, I think I think that is a good point. I mean, there is um, there there is definitely an element of um, you know, I, I and I I thought about this a lot setting up my firm because I I know the drill where you know you go in to meet with somebody, you fill out the six page intake form, and then you hand it to the person, and they're thumbing through it. You're sitting across this big wooden desk. It's uncomfortable. You don't know if you're in the right room. You know, you don't know what they're thinking. Right. The advisor is trying to figure out what you're worth so they can know whether or not they can charge you and like all, all this stuff. And it really is uncomfortable. But you're right. There is um, there is a weird element. And and I find it it tends to be a little different in certain parts of the country. So like the whole thing where some people, you know, in the Midwest and, and the Northeast, you know, you want your advisor to be suit and tie, maybe like that's the that's the thing. But do you really? Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah. of course. You know, on this side of the country, it's a little more relaxed. And I I, I was trying to think of the last time I, I was talking to a friend of mine on Friday um, who's in a, a related industry, and he he's always in a suit and tie when he goes to meetings. And I was like, when is the last time I wore a tie? Like, I I, I'm, I love wearing you know, sports jackets and things like that. But I'm like, when did I wear a tie last? Um, because sometimes there's an air of that, you know, giving you credibility. But I think, um, and I, I think you align with this as well, is that it's more about how you hold the conversation carries way more weight than the tie or the suit. Right, right. And really, like, it's relational. Like, what we do is relational. Like, it is so important to establish a relationship. And I mean, I don't, I don't know that I want to have a, a whole lot of relationships with a whole bunch of people in suit and ties. Like, that's not the level of relationship that I'm looking for. When, we, when you're talking about something as intimate as money, and it, money is intimate. Like, we are talking about how you spend it, how you save it, what your goals are. These are intimate conversations. So uh, I, you know, like, it's glass of wine conversation, right? It's, it's uh, you know, cross your legs and, you know, in a pair of jeans or leggings and a, you know, messy bun. Like, these are the kinds of conversations. Maybe you don't do the messy bun deal, but, uh, <laughs> like, it's this accessibility level of, like, <laughs> it might be. Uh, but we like how do we help people ha get more comfort right with being able to, to truly tell us what their real goals are right we need more than surface level we need their deep goals and if they have deep goals then it is our job right to help them unpack where they might be getting in their own way of getting to those goals yeah yeah so i, I wanted to ask you um so let's say that there's somebody listening to this and maybe life has hit them a couple of times. So maybe there's a divorce, maybe there's, you know, debt from school that they never finished. Maybe there's been a series of job changes and credit cards and maybe a foreclosure or, I mean, just things that happen. Because yeah. uh, sometimes that happens to people. Sometimes it's none of those things. And it's somebody who has just earned really, really well, but they've spent really, really well along the way. And so there's just not a lot to work with, right? So I find that, the, the shame about money exists all across the wealth spectrum. It doesn't really matter how much money you have. You've probably made a financial choice that you're just not, you know, it doesn't sit well in the pit of your stomach when you think about it. Mm -hmm. 
So if somebody is looking at their situation and they're, they've got some shame around it, they've made some, some choices, I'm not going to call them bad decisions. Sometimes they're just choices that mm -hmm. you have to make. Um, sometimes they are bad decisions, but those things happen. But how, how does that person say, okay, I'm here. I don't like where I am. I need to do something. I know I need to do something. I don't even know where to start. I don't know how to start the conversation. I don't know who to call. How does that person get started? Yeah, uh, I think one of the, you called it out here, like this um, this big financial regret, quote unquote, right, that somebody may have. Um, coming to the table with it, like, oh, okay, I, I feel like I made some mistakes um, and now I'm ready to do something about it. So it's really, it's honoring the choice to face, right? What may have happened before and decide to do something different. Um, so I just think there's huge courage in deciding that, like deciding that this isn't going to be your story anymore and that you're choosing, right. To get support in, in, in choosing a different path, right. Or putting down that book, right. And starting a whole new book, right. A whole new chapter of what's happening in your life moving forward. So it's honoring that courage. It's being courageous, right. And doing that and, you know, reaching out to Dale and being like, okay, I now what right now what no shame don't judge me right but now what and and I do I think you know that's part of it like you've got to stop judging yourself um so that you can move forward yeah yeah I just I just wrote down um what you just said this isn't going to be my story anymore because that statement is powerful because I think a lot of these money um money choices money habits they they get wrapped up in identity right mm -hmm. And yeah. so that that's definitely, uh, I think the shame as much as the identity is probably a good showstopper for a lot of people. For sure, for sure. So in your in your work, helping people get through that barrier, um, what's the what's the next step? I mean, the first step is just getting in touch with with Sarah, right, and yeah. then. And then what happens? Yeah, then we we look back for a minute, right? We do look at your money story. We unpack that, right, to some degree. And and then we decide to leave it there, right? There really is like this kind of like, okay, we talk about growing up with money, right? We talk about, right, this background, what, what got you to this point? Why why now? Like, why is this important time to move forward, right, in your money story and your, with a new money chapter, um, we put that, and then we determine to put that aside, right. And take steps moving forward. And it's really, um, we really start out by becoming super aware of your choices, your intentions. We, there's pausing that happens like, okay, we're going to do something different with your money. Now I, I ask people for the first month that we work together, not to change anything about their money habits, um, but just to pay attention to them, pay attention to what's going in and what's going out. And sometimes this one act alone of just paying attention this higher acuity or awareness of what's happening. Sometimes they've not paid any attention whatsoever to what's going in or what's going out. Um, so paying attention is this huge motivator and kind of aha moment. Like I had no idea, right. That we were spending so much on DoorDash. I had no idea that my son's, you know, Xbox games cost this much. I had no idea you know, like all of these things, right. That add up. So um, awareness, right. Again, is that kind of like next step? Yeah. Yeah, I th I think that's crucial because you're right that you know nine dollars here and seventeen dollars there and twenty one dollars. I mean, it just doesn't seem like much, but when it's aggregate, until it's right six hundred dollars later, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. And then um, do you have, uh, through your process, do you have tools that helps people kind of get set up with things like being able to track uh, cash flow in and out and and move through a step toward some sort of graduation point? I, I How does that kind of... that? Yeah. I like to use uh, what I call the journey to thrive framework. So um, steps that I uh, take folks through. So we start out by dreaming. Um, sounds super cheesy, but it's, it's really important. We talk about goals and like big, even better, right? We talk about your dreams. So often people are have been limited to just thinking about their goals. And like, oh, I just want to get a debt out of debt. Or you just want to get that credit card paid off. Like, please tell me you got bigger goals than that. Like, let me give you permission to dream bigger than just having your debt paid off. Uh, that's when you can really start seeing options and your debt payoff is a small hurdle, right? On your way to something bigger instead of the end game. Um, next up is to prep. We prep your head and your heart for change. Um, finances is really, you know, all about behavior more than it is the math. So thank goodness, right? Because I wasn't that great at math, uh, right? We're talking about behavior instead. So we're going to prep our head and our heart for some change. Uh, the third step is to make a plan. Uh, we often call this a budget, uh, but we could call it a spending plan as well. So we make a plan to get you to goal, um, often as it's um, intermixed with your finances. And then the fourth step is to flex and be flexible. Um, if you were, things are going to happen, life is going to happen. Like things are going to get in the way, but I want you to stay on plan. So how it's really a skill to be flexible within your plan. And then the fifth step is to thrive. It's to celebrate. We are terrible about celebrating. Like you get to a goal and you're like, great, what's the next one? No, like we need to take a minute, right? Take a beat and pause and reflect um, so that you can just acknowledge what happened. And again, we're, we're looking for sustainable change. So being flexible and celebrating those successes is important before you start and you do it all over again. New goal, right? New prep, new plan, new flex, new thrive. Yeah, I love it. And then typically um, the, the work that you do, is it, is it an ongoing relationship? Is it, does it have a time frame? Does it vary? Yeah. Because personal finance is personal. Does personal it vary? finance is personal. Yeah. Um, most of my clients I work with uh, for a 12 month um, time period. So we get to work together for a year. Uh, there are times that I do short, short term intensive or short VIP days um, that is, um, you know, accelerated progress. Uh, but it, when it comes to kind of this finance and accountability, especially in the personal finance side, we usually work together for a year because we, I want to be there for you with, as life happens so that you can do life on your own after that. So we graduate typically after that year. Okay. That's wonderful. And, um, as we kind of, you know, head to wrap up here, Sarah, we covered a lot of ground. I think, I mean, there's, there's just a, we probably could keep talking for another couple of yeah. hours and scratch the surface of personal finance um, and philosophy around that. But I, I really like the approach that you take. So um, for somebody who's been listening to this, what what's maybe a, a good takeaway or even just a next, uh, you know, actionable step that they can take from this conversation to go forward? Yeah, I think if you're listening to this podcast, you're already intrigued right you're interested in personal finance so there's some level of desire to do something different um i think do the next best thing for yourself right take some level of action right so listening is great right I, i'm a big fan right of listening and getting more information in what are you going to do with it like what action steps are you going to take right you're going to reach out to somebody to ask for help are you going to 
um, stop shaming yourself for what happened when you were 27? Like, you know, what action can you take out of this in order to move forward when it comes to having more options for yourself? I love that. Love that. Just take the next step, make the next phone call, send the next yeah. email, right? Get get yeah. get somebody who can help you through that. Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. Love it. And uh, and Sarah, tell listeners how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, best way um, to do that. My website is uh, myjourneytoinfluence.com um, or I'm over on Instagram and Facebook at Journey to Influence. Okay. And I'll put all of the, the links to those in the show notes as well. So people can reach you. And I just started following you on Instagram. Mm. And there's some really cute videos with you and, and your daughter. So yeah, <laughs> um, a lot of cool stuff there. So very helpful. Um, Sarah, is there anything else that you would add to the conversation or that you think would be important for us to, uh, to end with? Yeah, I think we covered, um, man, we covered it all, all the things, right? Funny stories, uh, shame and guilt options. Um, again, like take action, like do yourself a favor, drop your shame, drop your guilt and just move forward. That's it. I love it. That's, and that's, that's the mic drop for the podcast. So Sarah, thank you so much for talking with me today and coming on the podcast. This has been a great conversation. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Dale. My pleasure. All right. Until next time, take care. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Learn more about your financial purpose at lifemoveswealth.com. 